I strive really hard to get to know each person's story because that will tell you a lot more about that person than any stereotype will. In this episode, Jane Jacobs, Director of Print and Electronic Publishing, and Ryland Campbell, an analyst programmer in internet publishing, discuss working together while being generations apart. I've worked at Mayo for 21 years, and I am right on the dividing line between being a baby boomer or being part of Gen X. I think there's a perception that um, that generation is not receptive to change, slow to move, uh, very much stuck in the, we've always done it this way, so we always have to do it this way. And I, I find that frustrating, that it is a kind of a broad brush generalization. I get lumped in with the millennials and that perception that they are entitled or lazy or um, not hardworking. And I've, I've been treated on occasion um, you know, in that manner that, in it, you know, sometimes it didn't matter how hard I worked, it was never enough. I just couldn't break past that perception. Um, and, and that's been really a challenge. When you start to think about generational differences, um, one of the things I've observed is you can really start to make a difference um, in the realm of communication. It's not necessarily that you have somebody who doesn't work hard or somebody who won't change. It's communication style and how you approach someone and understanding their frame of reference. I completely agree with that. And I I feel like, you know, you, I mean, you should never prejudge somebody on a stereotype anyway, and you know, use it as a way to understand where they're coming from and to maybe find a better way of, of communicating and working with them. I think it's easy as a leader to become complacent. I think working with someone who is younger, who hasn't been in the space as long, brings a really valuable, fresh perspective and and helps us grow and move forward. I appreciate being able to contact you and say, hey, hey, I'm having this issue. Um, You know, what do you think I should I should do what's the best way to approach this person and and Jane has been a wonderful resource for that and you know and she's very open to ideas. Uh, I think too one of the the challenges is um, especially for people in my generation is you hear a new idea and you think oh that's not how we do things we've always done it this way and it's it's to stop yourself before you utter those words. We may not be smarter we're definitely not younger um, but we do have experience um, that we have gathered over time, and it is beneficial to, instead of just shutting it down, to engage in the conversation and saying, that's a very interesting idea. Here's been my experience with that, but that doesn't necessarily preclude us from trying something or taking a new approach or taking a second run at something if we've already done it. Sometimes it's not so much a generation thing as just what age you are, like what point you are in your life in comparison, you know, and, and maybe it's not so much a, a difference of, of when you were born, of just where you are in your life. I feel um, being younger and, you know, in a group of people 
and uh, to be taken seriously. You're not as experienced. You haven't been through what I've been through. You haven't seen what I've seen. So what makes you think you know how to do this? I always felt like I needed to do was apologize for a lot of the issues our generation has not managed to solve. You still have a glass ceiling. We still have gender inequity. You would think by now we would have figured that out, and yet we don't. And as women, we don't always support each other generation to generation as well. You work and work through your career to get to a certain point, but there are still people coming up behind you and when is the right time for you to move aside and, and let them take the leadership reins? And I think that's an interesting challenge. We came into a job market that was that's extremely competitive, and we were always told when we were growing up, well, if you want to get a good-paying job, you have to go to college. Well, then now we're burdened with these really high student loan payments, and, and there are just no jobs available. We're just competing against so many people that you basically have to be like a saint and, and and do so much extra work just to get a job and and make yourself stand out. I don't think that's a challenge the generations before us had to had to face. And it's competitive too, because the the older generations are healthier and they're not moving out of the job market and freeing up those jobs. They may have, a lot of really good reasons that they're not moving into retirement because they may need the health care. They may not have the retirement income. They may have a millennial living in their basement, which I will have in, in about a month again, and trying to get him launched. And it's interesting how the exact same set of circumstances in the world can put different generations into conflict with each other. Yeah, I, I've known several people who have retired and And they either retire and come back um, or they retire and move on to another job. And, and, you know, they're collecting their retirement, but also working a a part-time job. You know, I mean, after working so many years, you know, I'm sure it's it's a huge change and, and they miss that social connection. When you start to think of generational stereotypes, it's easy to judge by the color of someone's hair or, you know, how smooth or how wrinkled their skin is, but um, it's always coming back to we're individuals, and everybody has their unique story and their unique set of circumstances, and how do you be aware that you may be making a judgment about somebody based on the way they look or the way they move or um, the amount of time they've been here without really taking a look below the surface? And I'm sitting here with reddish brown hair knowing full well that um, if I went two months, I've been fully gray since I was in my late 30s. But the perception of being gray at a younger age is not helpful to me in my career or in how I want to be treated as a person. And so I color my hair. Yeah. And and you could look at it, you know, like from my generation's perspective, like if I came in and I had, you know, colored my hair purple <laughs> or, you know, wore a bunch of piercings or tattoos, I think that would make the stereotype of my generation even more challenging for me. It would really bring it to the forefront. And all of those um, stereotypes and perceptions would just be even stronger and it'd be even more difficult to overcome. Our culture... Um, 
for better or worse, and it will evolve in the future, but is really run on relationships. Communication is the key, and an example of that, I have two sons who are both millennials, and um, we text message, I can even Instagram, and I can, you know, I'm getting pretty good at this, and, um, but they know that if they're going to text me, it had prob- probably better be properly spelled and punctuated, or they won't get an answer because I, I don't do the abbreviations and stuff because I'm still kind of one of those, I'm holding on to the English language. There is just no way I'm going to compromise. And, and they will, in their generation, do things differently, and that's fine. I've had some experiences where my generation, I feel like we, we are a little more laid back, a little more relaxed, a little more casual. I've actually been criticized for how I sit in my seat, in my chair when I work, and I can kind of lounge and slump, and that's sometimes perceived like I'm not working hard. So I think there's sometimes a conflict there, and you know, sometimes, like I said, it's just behavior. Sometimes it's just what image we're projecting. So the boomers, we have to take responsibility because we raised the Gen X and the millennials, right? If we're looking at behavior from younger generations and going, oh, this is awful, oh, this is horrible, how did they get to be that way? We really should go look in the mirror and say, what did we raise them to be? When we see or perceive that we're seeing kids that are entitled, did I give them a ribbon for participation or did I teach them a tough lesson about when you compete, you have winners and losers? We have responsibility for these generations that are coming behind us, it is a good and healthy thing that they are different than we are. That's the other thing that's actually, you know, beneficial and advantageous about having the different generations is the millennials grew up with technology and it's entwined, you know, in our lives. You don't have to be aware of all the technology. Let us be aware of it because we're so familiar and comfortable with it. And then as long as you keep an open mind to it that maybe there is a better way. I think we should always try to do better and improve on everything. And isn't isn't that what Mayo is about? We will learn as we grow together, right? Right. (laughs) Yeah. I think the key is just being patient with each other. For my generation, when I was growing up and my mom would ask me questions about how to do things on the computer and I would get so frustrated because I'm like, why is this so difficult for you? (laughs) It's so obvious to me. So I think the key is just being patient, and that's, that goes both ways. As long as we're both willing to learn and listen to each other, I think there's a lot to gain there. I think willingness to change is, it's on the individual to be open and to be receptive. Transparency is also a great solution, you know, to be able to sit with someone and say, you know what, I feel like we're not communicating together. I feel like I'm not being able to tell you what I want to tell you. I'm not able to hear from you what I'm hoping to hear from you. What could I do differently? And put the change onus on yourself. Inherently, everybody wants the same thing. We all want to get along. We all want to be understood. I think the uh, the transparency is, is extremely important and just being honest and upfront. And I think that's one thing that Mayo's culture does for us. It brings us around a single value, right? The needs of the patient come first. And we have our eight rich ties values. And we're here in large part because we say, yep, this is how I want to live. This is how I want to work. This is what I believe. It's about how do we work together to get to that common shared vision. 
does your work unit represent to different generations? Connect with them and discuss their experiences and communication preferences. We bet you'll enjoy some laughs too.